Hello and welcome to series four, episode 18 of Dad Educates Daughter on 80s music. I'm Dad Russell. Here's Rebecca. Hello. Hello, Dad. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. So um, this week you had seven artists. Yes, I did. How did you find it? Do you know what? I recognise so many songs this week, yet I didn't recognise all the artists. So I recognised Billy Ocean, Brian Adams and Freddie Mercury, but I didn't recognise any others. Yet I recognised so many songs. Like the amount of times that I was like, I know this one, I know this one. I've not even written this week. Like usually in my notes I'm like recognised. But I was like, I felt like if I kept doing that, I'd just, my computer would just think I'm typing recognised constantly. Um, so it was really nice to actually recognise some songs this week. Um, and I do think it was a nice week. I had a nice mixture of genres and sounds um, and people as well. Mm-hmm. So, that yeah, that was really nice. Um, and what I've also noticed that more recently, your 80s dress sense has kind of gone a bit. So when I'm watching the videos, I'm kind of like, not really much to talk about. Like, none of the videos have really stood out. Like, got a bit laid back with it. Like, you're not, because, like, MTV's fully in the flow now. You've not got to sell yourself as much, have you? Like they did when it first came about. And I'm really seeing that now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think, we're coming to the end where it's more about having your song in a film, which we will come to. Oh. Because one of these had their song in a film and it sort of reignited their career. Reignited? Well, yes, it had been a while since they'd had a hit. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have a blooming clue. So um, we'll just uh, remind everyone of your um, artists this week. Mm-hmm. Billy Ocean, Freddie Mercury, Brian Adams, Brian Ferry, Julian Cope, Don McLean, and um, I hold my hands up on this one, Cole oh. Douglas. Why'd you hold your hands up? Um, it wasn't a hit, was it? it wasn't a hit oh so um but we'll come to that when we get there we'll come to that when we get right you know you're all waiting yeah so um let's talk music let's talk billy ocean so the first thing i thought was is he related to frank ocean i really feel like he's not because in my head i don't think they look alike or anything so that was my first thought, but going off his name. When I've listened to him, I recognised so many of his songs, but didn't actually know that I knew, like, like I'd heard of Billy Ocean, but not going to lie, I think I only thought I, like, heard of Billy Ocean and then straight away my head went to Frank Ocean. So I don't know if I even, yeah, had really properly heard of Billy Ocean. But... Yeah, knows so many of his songs. He's so talented. He has a really good voice. And do you know what? He has like that specific 
style that he sings and it really suits him. I think he's very original. Um, his songs are repetitive. They're like, they all have the same layout, kind of, um, bar when he goes a bit more deep in his songs. Um, and like, as the time goes on, like his last few songs are a bit more um, heartfelt, stripped back, um, a little bit of a shift in what he usually does. Uh, I've gone with soul and R&B. And he doesn't seem to age, and he just likes, you know, he's quite comfortable in his clothes, and he just wears, you know, what's comfortable, casual wear. Okay, so Billy Ocean, born Leslie Sebastian Childs. So even his last name was a first, was a Christian name, in a sense. That's nothing like Billy Ocean. (laughs) How'd you get? Yeah. Yeah. He's from Faisabad in Trinidad and Tobago. He's been active in the music business since 1969. He's a singer-songwriter. And as you rightly say, he's R&B, soul, pop and reggae. Oh, I didn't really think reggae at all. So although born in Trinidad, his family relocated to Romford in Essex. Bit of a difference. Uh, big difference. I wonder what they thought of Essex. <laughs> so, um, obviously in England, um, when he was 10 years old, um, and it was shortly before Trinidad and Tobago became independent in 1962. So had that happened, whether he would have, have left and he could have yeah. changed his old career. Um, so during his teenage years, he sang regularly in London nightclubs while also working as a tailor in Savile Row. Um, So Ocean was discovered by his first manager, John Morphew, who recorded a double A single at Pi Studios in London with a full orchestra. However, the ballad singing style of Ocean was going out of fashion and Morphew was unable to get any major labels to release the single. And to this day, that single remains unreleased. Oh, I'd release it just for. They probably laugh. missed the boat now, though, because no. he surely should have done it when he was at the height of his career. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, you'd get it out there. Even people my age, they've probably forgotten about Billy Ocean. Was he big? He was, yeah, as I said, he was fairly big, yeah, yeah. What'd you forget about him, though? He was only big for a short, very short time. If you ask people to name soloists, I think it, you'd, you'd be... He'd be really be far down. before anyone mentioned his name, in my opinion. Okay. okay. So, yeah. So um, the story that Leslie Childs took his stage name from the local Stepney Estate in London's East End, which was called Ocean Estate, where he was living at the time, has since been reported by Ocean himself as being incorrect. And that the the stage name actually comes from a local football team that was... hometown in Trinidad and Tobago or Trinidad because that's the part he was from called Ocean's Eleven no yeah that's mad so the football team obviously there's 11 players 
Well, I, no, I would say that would have been before. No. We're talking when he was in. He he left before 1962. Mm. No, I didn't even think about there being 11 players. That makes sense. There's 11 players in a team. Ocean's yeah. 11. Um, like so we did the film. It's a film from because of the football mm. team. And that's a better story than some estate in London. Yeah. Although yeah. I do like both because it's like a still a homage to where he's from, isn't it? So Ocean recorded his debut album called Billy Ocean with his first single release, Love Really Hurts Without You, on the track listing. The single charted at number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100. However, the album didn't chart. Oh. And neither did his next three albums, City Limits, released in 1980, Nights Feel Like Getting Down, released in 1981 and Inner Feelings in 1982. So his first four albums never... Well, well, I say that. Nights Feel Like Getting Down uh, charted at like 152 on the Billboard Hot 200. So it literally got in. Okay. But yeah, nothing significant. I take it they didn't do anything over here? No, no, no. Never charted anymore. Otherwise I'd have said. Yeah. However, that was all to change with the release of his fifth studio album, Suddenly, in 1984, which saw his the lead single, Caribbean Queen, No More Love on the Run, reaching number one on the US Billboard Hot 100. And wow. um, so just yeah, quickly... So long. Yeah. And then... And we've said that before. Sometimes it's just that little bit of luck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, sorry, just quickly um, going away from that. I didn't ask earlier how many number ones do you think this should be. Oh, yeah. Uh, six. Six. Ooh. Yeah, I've gone big. Yeah. I know. Oh, well, you're not far off. There was five. Oh. However, two of them are in the 90s. So only three from the 80s. Yeah, but it's still five that I've listened to. Yeah. I don't know which one. So just out of interest, what were your six? So I had two from Billy Ocean. Okay. I went with Loverboy and uh-huh. Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car. Okay. Freddie Mercury, I gave him two. Uh-huh. Love Kills and The Great Pretender. Okay. Um, Gave Brian Adams war- two. Yeah. These are my six. But oh no, I had seven then. All right, seven. Seven. I can't count. Two for Brian Adams. Yeah. So that was heaven, and everything I do, I do it for you. And okay. then I did Don McLean with American Pie. Okay. All right. We'll see if you've got any of well, the five in that seven. I think I'm wrong already because I feel like if Caribbean Queen has come in and gone straight to number one in America, surely it's done that here. We will find out. So carrying on. So, yes, Caribbean Queen, No More Love on the Run, reached number one on the USB Billboard Hot 100. His biggest success in eight years since the release of his debut single. And where did the love really hurts about you get? I forgot. Number two in. Um, See, that came. US. 
See, that came in high as well, yet then it took him eight years to get that number one, and he's done yeah. fine after that. Sorry, no, number yeah. 22, number 22. Not number oh, two. okay. I mean, that's still good. Oh, yeah, in yeah. In the US. In your first amazing. single. Yeah. And in the US, because it's such a bigger chart. Yeah. Um, And then he's had nothing. Yeah. So weird. And, you know, as I say, four flops as far as the albums yeah, go. albums go. However, as I'm about to say, this album... Fifth album, yeah. Reached number nine on both the Billboard Hot 200 and the UK album chart. Oh. While the title track, Suddenly, reached number four on the US Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the Billboard Adult Contemporary chart. It's so weird. And it's just that timing, isn't it? Like, from Love Really Hurts Without You to Caribbean Queen, there's no change in his genre. Like, I didn't notice anything different. He's like, it's still him. You've got to remember, you didn't ha- he didn't have any hits. We've gone from 1976 to 1984, yeah. and you had no other songs in between those. Yeah, but what so I mean, you don't know that's what I'm saying. So when I'm saying he's got reggae and you say I didn't hear any reggae, they might have been in that period because he's had another. He's had he's had what three other albums, albums yeah. from that first album to this one that we're yeah, talking. Yeah, but even about. the first album flopped. It was only yeah, one, one song. Yes, yeah, so what I'm saying is there's another three albums with lead yeah. singles and whatever. You know, they didn't chart or do anything, or not over here. Um, but that's not to say um, they what, what what the genre of the he world, actually did maybe dabble in the other genre. the music changed or whatever. So you got to bear that in mind. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So um, the other single released from the album was "A Lover Boy," and that reached number two on the US Billboard Hot 100 and number one. On the South African singles chart. That's a new one. Yes. We've not had South African charts. No, not I recall, no. Though the success led to Ocean having his single, When the Going Gets Tough, The Tough Gets Going, from his sixth studio album, Love Zone, in 1986, being recorded for the theme song for the film The Jewel of the Nile. Starring Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner and Danny DeVito. Um, And all three starred in the video, which I have to say, if you haven't seen it, do go and see it. It was actually banned by the BBC because the three actors are not part of, um, are not registered as musicians. And what's that called? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Right. So, um, although I said earlier it reignited his career, it didn't really reignited it. It just took it to another level, I suppose I should have said. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, you know, it really um, got him seen everywhere, um, which is what I'm about to say. So the single was a big success. It reached yeah. number one in nine countries. So we had... Australia, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, Ireland, Netherlands, Norway, and wait for it, South Africa. So it also reached number two on the US Billboard Hot 100, the Mm -hmm. same position as in 
Finland, Greece, Spain, Sweden and Switzerland and certainly led to Billy Ocean being seen as an international singer-songwriter. So it literally, he, you know, he's done well with Caribbean Queen and the album Suddenly and obviously Suddenly itself and as I say, Loverboy. But when the going gets tough, the tough get going, literally sent him three, four levels up, you know. Um, And, you know, was it the song or was it the film? You know, that is one of those. The chicken and the egg, you know. So, but, um, um, what came out first? The song. Well, the 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 song was on his is on his album, which was released in nineteen eighty six. Now I don't know when the film was. I can't even remember if it was the first or second film because there was the Jewel in the Nile and Romance in the Stone, and they and were which two, one does it? two two songs. This one's from the Jewel in the Nile. So you had the Jewel in the Nile, and I can't remember if you had this. The, this it, although it wasn't a sequence, it was classed as a six, had the same people in it. Romance in the Stone. Now, I don't know which one came out first and what year Jewel of the Nile was. Um, Jewel of the Nile, 1985. So that was before his album. So um, the film and the soundtrack would have come out. Yeah before his album with the song on it. That so, might have been the so, um, It could well be it was the film that propelled him. But the music still has to be good for people to go out and buy. That's what I always say about Aha and yeah, Take yeah, On yeah, Me. Everyone yeah. says the video sold the song. Well, no, because yeah. they didn't buy the video. They bought the song. So it's the same with this. You didn't, buy the video. Yeah. you didn't buy the video or the film. You went out and bought the song to get it to number one. Exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah. So his next album, his seventh, Tear Down These Walls, released in 1988, charted at number three on the UK album chart. Um, and only, I say only, number 18 on the US Billboard Hot 200. And um, although it was number seven on the Billboard R&B chart. Mm. While the lead single, Get Out of My Car, Get Into My Dreams, was an international hit, reaching number one in nine countries. Are we ready? Australia, yeah. Belgium, Canada, Ireland, Netherlands, Norway, South Africa. I feel like he's hitting the same countries. Yes. And the US on the Billboard Hot 100. Wow. So that one's made got it big. Yeah. It was a top 10 hit throughout Europe, only flopping in France, where it reached number 41. Oh, wow. <laughs> so a massive difference. Like top 10 everywhere else, not even in the top 40 in France. No. Sort of and says what their, uh, music, um, in, their music taste is like, really. Yeah. Almost as good and as their um, uh, food. Cars? With snails and frog legs. Who are they cars? Because aren't French cars a bit rubbish? Yeah, they're not that great either. Renault, Citroën. Yeah, I was going to say Renault. No. Maybe you telling me that after I bought a Renault. Um, 
so he really is an international yeah, success yeah. This and it is as i say it didn't reignite his career but having you know the the soundtrack of julian it, it certainly um it propelled provide... his career massively yeah definitely so ocean would release a further four albums between 1993 and 2020 but never again saw the success of the mid to late 80s thanks to um the album suddenly with caribbean queen and obviously yeah. then um when the going gets tough yeah. though it was caribbean queen that got him notice or the album suddenly that got him obviously noticed for to yeah. you know asked to write the, the uh, soundtrack for jewel of the night i was gonna say he wouldn't have been able to probably even write um, that no. he weren't that big to begin with so the single saw ocean as in caribbean queen i'm talking here yeah. uh saw ocean win a grammy award in 1985 for best r&b male vocal performance and he also won an Ivor novello award in 2018 for his international achievements fair enough because he has he's it so many countries yeah including south africa which we've not spoke about before. not not as not certainly not i remember in this this. No, I don't think we've ever spoken no. about South Africa. So his songs. So Billy Ocean. So the first one was actually in 1976. Yeah. And you know what? The time, all of that you've mentioned as well, and even though like it was a like international success, I've not actually got that many songs for him. No, no. So 1976, Love Really Hurts Without You, got to number two. Ooh, oh. Oh, okay. But 22 in America. Okay. Um, feel good. I feel like this could be used on an advert and it might have been used on an advert and that might be why I recognise it. But anyway, it's got a good beat. It's catchy. It's just a good all-rounder, solid song. So I gave you that to see. So you saw his earlier song. And obviously because yeah, yeah. it was a hit. And, and then he never had the another hit until this one, 1984 caribbean queen no more love on the run and that got to number six here now then i said it got, it got to number got to... one was it in the yeah. um, u.s because yeah. so, i was um, like oh maybe i should have said yeah. caribbean queen over lover boy yeah oh i was right to say not a number one um this is one i'm sure it's this one that you've played and said what do you think they sing and it sounds like something different oh yeah um, yeah um i just think it's a really simple song it's repetitive slow but it's got it's got everything that a song needs if you know what i mean but special yeah. ingredient yeah a little bit of sprinkle yes okay 1985 at lover boy so i said it got to uh Number, two? number one on the Billboard oh, Adult Contemporary. Adult, yeah, yeah. And um, number two. No, sorry, no, I'm looking at the wrong one. That's suddenly. Um, number two on the US Billboard. Yeah, number what? one in South Africa. Oh, That's this one. South Africa. In the UK, wasn't even a top 10 hit. Shut up. I number put this as a number one. Number 15. Really? Yes. I actually, do you know what I think it is? 
this one's a bit different. It's it's got a more upbeat tone to it, which his others do do have. I just think this one's got a bit more oomph to it. Um, it was nearly a favourite for me, but I really thought that was like an up there hit. I'm shocked. Okay, 1985, suddenly number four, exactly the same as in America on the billboard. Well, this one is beautiful, calm, like, it's just pure. It shows off his talent. I think it's a really nice one. Okay, 1986, when the going gets tough, the tough get going from the film The Jewel and the Nile. And if you had counted earlier when I said it reached number one in nine countries, I only read out eight because it got to number one in the UK as well. And do you know what? I thought about putting this as a number one and then I was like, no, it's too obvious. (laughs) Too obvious. This was my favourite, though. Um, you can't help but feel good and join in with it. Like, yeah. I don't care who you are, how old you are, it's just easy to listen to, to sing to. It's just, I get why it's number one. It is good. Okay. 1986, there'll be sad songs to make you cry. Number 12. Uh, yeah, this one's stripped back. It does show off his talent, but after when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, um, it just takes it back a bit too much, and you're like, oh, where's the oomph gone? 1987, Love is Forever, number 34. Mm, see, this is where I said he starts going more, like, deeper with his songs, that bit more calmness to it. Um, and I've not said it's a bad thing, but the charts are saying it's a bad thing. Um, I think this one's very slow, heartfelt. It just shows that different side to him, which okay. I quite like. 1988, Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car. So he likes these long titles. Yeah, he does. Um, got to number one in I don't know how many countries I said, but over here it only got to number three. I thought that was a number one as well. You just want to shout it. And do you know what I wrote as well? And look at me, I am right. I want to say it's late 80s as it's got that less of an 80s feel. It feels like it's moved with the time. And I am right, although I did think it would be a bit more like 1990, you'd tell me. But 88. But 1990 isn't late 80s, is it? Right, but you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you well, just say 1989. 1989. Uh, 1988 again, Calypso Crazy, number 35. This one's got a shift in the genre. So I think that's why it's not hit. It gets you moving. It's definitely got his stand on it, but it's moved. And you can de- that one, you can definitely tell that the times are moving on. Okay. Moving on then to Freddie Mercury. I had high expectations from him because Queen was one, a massive hit with me, but also obviously a really big hit in the 80s. Um, I can't remember whether we discussed it with um, Queen, but I want to know why he went solo. Um, I feel like it was probably just to explore, but 
yeah i think him as a man has so much passion um and i think he knows he's a big part of the 80s he could probably release anything do well and just walk away with the money i do think he's a very talented man as well i've gone with electro pop i think he moved away from the rock with queen but i could be wrong there is sounds of electronic in there um we know what he looks like. I didn't understand what I've written then. Um, we know what he looks like. Obviously, he's from Queen. Everyone knows what he looks like. I think he broke through lines and taboos of the 80s with his style. He was so unique. And I think people really followed him. Um, in one of the videos, I think it's an excellent video. Um, it's the Great Pretender video. He re it's like re little remakes of Queen. So like it he walks through with a Hoover, like I can't remember. I want to break free that song. And he does that, but just as Freddie Mercury not dressed up or anything. And then he does others. Um and the song is just all about him dressing up and everything. I think it's a fabulous video to portray the lyrics. Um I think in his videos as well, you can really see the impact he had. Like, he was a big part of the 80s. And he was a big part of, um, can you say the new romantics with him? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like, saying, he was more I'd, like the he, LGBT. I'm saying no, because they were rock. And yeah. And they didn't I mean, call people who were in rock as new romantics. But because of, like, the way that he dressed in videos, you know, he weren't scared to dress up no. as a woman. Or, yeah. Although that didn't do Queen any good in America. It was a big flop over there. Yeah, but America's weird. I don't think it would do so. anyone good in America if they tried it now, let alone back then. Um, but I think it... So in his videos, so you've got that video of, like, Queen, but in, like, another one of his videos, there's, like, a lot of... Um, clips of like people dressed up as drag queens but not only drag queens just people dressing up and expressing themselves and I think do you know what forget your music you've done good in that department um mm. yeah I just think he's a big part of the 80s in that sense also okay. obviously a big part with his talent and his music yeah. but I just thought the way that his videos are are really good really clever mm. and it's nice that he kind of carried that on from Queen into his own like Okay. So Freddie Mercury, born Farouk Bolsara. Um, he's from Stone Town, Zanzibar in Tanzania. Yeah. Um, he's been active in the music business since 1969. He's a singer, songwriter, record producer, and he can play the piano and keyboards. And his genre is as simple as rock. Right. I'm telling you there's something electronic in there. Um, Barcelona's not really rock. I mean, that's no, very opera, not. and you don't call opera rock, but that's what his main general is. And, uh, you know, again, how much of that is from Queen? Um, oh, yeah, I did write down electropop and think mm, so, Queen's not that, but yeah. I thought maybe he had a little dabble. So um, Freddie Mercury attended in English boarding school in India and oh. returned to Zanzibar after secondary school. His family fled Zanzibar during the revolution in 1964 and settled in Middlesex, England. In 1970, he formed the band Queen, 
having studied and written music. The other co-founders of the band were guitarist Brian May and drummer Roger Taylor. Mercury wrote numerous songs for Queen, including Bohemian Rhapsody, Killer Queen, We Are the Champions, and Don't Stop Me Now, among Even others. Rhapsody is another one that he did in his Great Pretender video. So Mercury was diagnosed with AIDS in 1987 and continued recording with the band up until his death. So as so well as being in solo career. So as well as being in Queen, he also recorded two albums as a soloist. Mr. Bad Guy, which was released in 1985 and reached number six on the UK album chart. And Barcelona with operatic soprano Montserrat Cabal, which reached number 15 on the UK album chart. Now, I think, I mean, they never, ever announced they'd split. Um, But I just think Freddie Mercury got too big for the band and wanted to go his own way. Um, And then they reformed, although they didn't actually split, for Live Aid. And obviously on the back of obviously they kind of carry on a bit. So yeah. yeah. Um so following Mercury's death in November nineteen ninety-one from pneumonia, which resulted from the AIDS virus, a greatest hits album called The Freddie Mercury Album was released in nineteen ninety-two and charted in the UK at number four on the album chart. And a concert was also held in tribute to Freddie Mercury at Wembley Stadium in 1992. Um, As a member of Queen, Mercury was posthumously inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2003, as well as the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2004. I didn't know we had one of them. Well, I would have, because we would have spoke about that with Queen. But that's not one that's... Mercury is remembered for his performance with Queen at Live Aid, following the band getting back together. And in 1990, the members of Queen won a Brit Award for outstanding contribution to the British music industry. So, yes. Doesn't um, he have a film? Sorry? Does it, isn't there a film about Freddie? Yeah, there is, yeah. And in that, um, so it's hard to know what's true and what isn't. So in the in oh, the film, I've never seen it. Just the so band you. is already together, and he joins the band after. But I don't think they're called Queen, if I remember. But he sort of joins them after. Oh, so he didn't form it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So there is some grey lines over what the no timelines and that are. Um, yeah. And it's the same as, as I say, he, I can't remember whether they fell out, but he obviously went and done his solo bit and they, I suppose they felt a bit like, well, you've left us high and dry sort of thing. And then he was the one, they, I can't remember how it come about that they, they reformed and what have you. I think it was for Live Aid. Mm. I think they were asked to go on to the Live Aid and they're like, well, we're not really together sort of thing. And then they got together and. It was all done like via the record label or their con yeah. the contract and all that. So yeah. So 
it's hard to know how much was i'm sure there's more true in in um the film because i'm sure brian may probably yeah, exactly. had a, an into, into it and other queen members yeah probably more so than information i've picked up via the internet that comes from whatever yeah, sources and not necessarily verified as being true yeah so, yeah yeah um so yeah there's probably more truth in the in the film um however he's he did have a solo career he released two albums and these are the singles from those Although, as you will find out he had more success after he had died than that's, he sometimes, being alive. that's sometimes the way though isn't it and oh, it's yes. sad it is sad don't get oh, me yeah. wrong but sometimes it takes someone dying to yeah well you will find out with one song so 1984 love kills got to number 10 See, I'm shocked by that because I thought, so I've never done this before. You know how many soloists we've had that comes from and a band? And then they go band, solo and their and first songs I, are number I one. I always forget yeah. that they've come from a band. Adam Man, so Boy George. Is gonna yeah. be, that, like their solo career yeah. is going to have an impact from the band. And I always forget yeah. that. And I'm always like, oh, I never put number ones as the first song. The one time I do, thinking, this is Freddie Mercury from Queen. It's number 10. Are you joking? I'm, fe I'm actually fuming because it weren't that much of a great song either. So I, I wouldn't have put it. I wouldn't have put it as a number one if I didn't remember the whole logic of there have been so many soloists that have had a number one because they've come from a band and I've been stupid enough not to think that. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm annoyed. Because you believe in sit there for about 10 minutes waiting for him to even start singing. <laughs> You're waiting. Uh, and I even wrote this. It's very electric. That's where I got the electric electric uh -huh. from. Very eighties. If it is a number one, I did don't think it deserves it. Uh, I've written know. that. Wow. And I stand by that, but it didn't get number one. So it's it wasn't like, anyway. It was number ten. I'm still annoyed. It's still, <laughs> still top ten. Okay. Nineteen eighty five, I was born to love you. Number eleven. Okay, this has got a nice build up to the chorus. I think it's very powerful and relatable to anyone. I think one thing that I really like about Freddie Mercury, and I didn't mention this before, his lyrics are fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That's one of them. Okay. 1985, Living on My Own, number 50. Ooh. 50. 50. Well, I forgot it. Because it was re released in 1993, so after he died, yeah. got to number one. Shut up. So it went from number 50 to number one. I think it should have stayed at number 50. It's his <laughs> least best performing song. It's a shift in the genre, I think. And it's singing very different to normal. Like it doesn't sound like him, and it doesn't sound like his style. So stick with the fifty. It was a flop. Nineteen eighty-six. Time number thirty-two. This is my favourite of his. I think this is him. This is pure. This is just singing, and it just highlights everything that's really good about him. And I think it's got like that little hint of queen in it like it sounds like a bit 
queen. Maybe that's why I really like it. But that's my favourite. Amazing. Okay. 1987, The Great Pretender, number four. Oh, now, hang on, hang on. Now, this right. was also re-released in 1993. Now, bearing in mind that Living on My Own was number 50 and got, got to you. number one, The worse. Great Pretender was number four. When it was released, it got to number 29. Shut up. <laughs> this one proves about the lyrics. He's so good at song. Lyrics are so personal. The video does everything as well. I think it's just got that all rounder, and I could listen to it over and over again. Weren't my favourite. And you got to think this really was is. done when he was diagnosed with AIDS. So you wonder Maybe how whether he was talking about himself. I am the great pretender. No, that's what I think. That's what I yeah. think. Yeah. I think it's deep. It goes deep, and I think he's a I, living. Sure um. So yes. Um. 1987 Barcelona with Mon Montserrat Cabal. Yeah. So, apologies if I just completely said that wrong. Um. That got to number eight, and then that was also re-released. In 1992, got to number two. I don't like it. It's not him. It's too classical. But I think it's showing you a different side yeah, of him. Yeah. You know, he's gone from rock star to opera singer. Yeah, but it didn't need it. And I don't there aren't many like people that could do that, certainly not from a rock band like Queen. I don't rate him as an opera star. I don't think I he's... thought his voice was brilliant, no. and I'm not into opera, but I did think Barcelona was good. Um, 1992, in my defense, number eight. I think it's up there. Uh, no, I think it's upbeat, but it's not up there with his great, like, greatest of songs. It's more of a in the background song, sure. So, yeah, one number one, and surprisingly, it's not the great pretender. It was a song that was an absolute flop in the 1980s. I'm absolutely shocked. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to Brian Ferry. Yeah. So I've gone with Pop Rock. Um, he has a very deep voice. It's a very original voice. I can't really explain it. But his voice is just unique, and I feel like you'd be able to recognise it. Um, it's very deep, isn't it? But that's all I can explain it as. But it has got something else in it, like a little, I don't know. I can't explain it, but if you listen to him, you understand what I mean. Um, okay. He doesn't do much in his songs. Like, it is more of a focus on the music than on, like, the lyrics and the actual singing, which I'm quite, you know, with a voice like his, you'd think you'd make that powerful and you'd make that the... Um, center of attention but it's not but the music you know he just does what works for him I guess um, he dresses really f smartly I don't know I can't work him out in the sense that like I've gone pop rock but I can't work him out whether he's like a rock star or he's got a little bit of weird in him um, okay. just the way that he looks um, but his videos don't really give you much to go off okay um, so you say he's unique in his thing do you remember him in a group 
No. Don't okay. recognise the name. I didn't no. recognise him either. Okay. Sometimes I can get it from videos, can't I? When I see them, I could be like, I recognise that face, but no. Okay, so Brian Ferry is from Washington, County Durham. He's been active in the music business since 1967. He's a singer, songwriter and musician because he plays the keyboards and harmonica. Um, you were right, he's pop rock, but also glam rock, art rock, anything oh. that's got some... That's Some got rockers. Yeah. After it. New wave and sophisty pop. So, mm. Ferry studied fine art and taught Ooh. at a secondary school before pursuing a career in music. So, another teacher. I think it was Sting uh, was a teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in 1970, he began by forming the band Roxy Music. Oh, I do remember them. I don't think I really liked those, though. Mm. Like, they're not so a they were a group of friends and acquaintances in London. Um, the band had 10 top 10 singles, including uh, number one with Jealous Guy in 1981, before the band disbanded in 1983 and Ferry embarked on a solo career. Having already released five solo albums between 1973 and 1978 while with Roxy Music, so a bit like Freddie Mercury, yeah, he was releasing solo albums while with the band, but unlike Queen, where they sort of didn't, you know, they fell out or whatever, Roxy Music continued, but they obviously disbanded not long after... um, they well, I say they not long after they formed in 1970, yeah, and they uh, they disbanded in '83. But it wasn't long after they'd had their big hit. Hits, yeah. Um. So yeah, so um, his sixth studio album, Boys and Girls, reached number one on the UK album chart, and remained in the charts for 44 weeks. Thanks to the success of lead single Slave to Love. In 1985, Ferry performed at Live Aid, accompanied by Pink Floyd guitarist David Gilmour. In 1987, his seventh album, his second as a soloist, um, as a as a recognised soloist, um, Whereas before, as I say, it was when he was still in a band, although he was still releasing them as solo, is he was he was still probably on the back of Roxy Music, yeah, um, yeah, because he was with them. Whereas this is obviously, but anyway, yeah, his second album, Bette Noir, was released and peaked at number nine on the UK album chart. Although Ferry was reluctant to tour, a change of management persuaded him to tour in 1988 to promote the previous year's album, Bet Noir. And um, after that, Ferry released another three studio albums, Taxi in 1993, Mamuna in 1994, and As Time Go By in 1999, before the reunion of Roxy Music in 2001. So although the band, band uh, reunited, Ferry still continued releasing solo albums as a side project as he had previously um 
and another six solo albums were released between 2002 and 2018, although he never had the success he saw as a committed solo artist during the mid-80s. So maybe he's the sort of person that does work better on his own. Yeah, maybe. He seemed because to have rock music didn't go mm. like boom, did it? I mean, it? they did have a number one with Jealous Guy, yeah, but, but... but that's it. Yeah. And then mm. he's gone off on his own, done yeah. well, and he's cu- and I think on his own, he's only got him to work with. So yeah. it brings out the best of him without having other yeah. people's opinions and views and all of that. So um, like in 19- on, like you're not going to give up what's good, are you? No. So in 1975, Ferry had a relationship with the model Jerry Hall, who would go on to have a relationship with Mick Jagger, and they had four children, as in Mick Jagger, not Brian Ferry. Um, And then um, she went and married media mogul Rupert Murdoch in 2016. So, um, yeah, but a um, varied amount of uh, men so yeah, Juan Ferry, like Mick Jagger names. and Rupert Murdoch yeah, she's got some big names there isn't she um, in 1982 Ferry married socialite Lucy Helmore the couple had four sons and after 21 years of marriage they divorced in 2003 in 2000 Ferry and the whole family were involved in a mid-air crisis whilst on board a British Airways flight to Nairobi in Kenya when a passenger forced his way into the cockpit, attacked the pilot and caused the plane to lurch downwards. The assailant was eventually overcome and the pilot recovered the flight from a descent of 12,000 feet in 25 seconds it's the fastest rate of descent from which any civil aircraft recorded has ever recovered sorry right but why is it always celebrities are on these things yeah why is there always someone big like nothing would ever just happen if i got on the plane to tenerife would it that wouldn't be a big thing, but the minute there's no, there no one, um, there's not a celebrity that I know of in the um, uh, attacks on the trade center or anything like that. So yeah, that's different. That's like a whole bigger thing, isn't it? Whereas, well, this would have been this would have been a big thing. Yeah, but if, this is then something that's overcome, and then a celebrity gets to be like, "I was on that flight," and it becomes like a yeah. thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't remember it at the time. I can't. So I can't say how big it was i really can't don't recall it remember it or anything but obviously when i was looking at this it was it was something that was in there and i think boom you know um but yeah but um anyway his his wife um helmore died of us although well i say his wife they divorced obviously in 2003 so it's no longer his wife obviously the mother of his children an ex-wife um she died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound in 2018 while on holiday in ireland um of which her brothers described she was having a long battle with depression oh so it was suicide yeah yeah Oh, right, okay. When you're like a self-inflicted gun wound, I'm like, how do you just, like, do that? But, uh, you kill yourself. Yeah. But yes. the way it was worded made it sound like it was an accident. Oh, I'm like, how do you just accidentally shoot yourself? And where have you got no. a gun from? 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know, obviously, you know, obviously there's other things, as I say, it's a while after they divorced, but, you know, um, how much of it was to do with whatever the reason they're breaking up or because of this, uh, this, this, this flight that she yeah, also, I, I mean, it know. said Ferry and the whole family, which would tell yeah. me that the wife That's was on there. They weren't divorced until 2003 and that happened in 2000. So yeah. you don't know how that um, affected. But then you never know what people are battling with through that whole no. life, do you? So, yes. Anyway, going on to Brian Ferry's solo songs. Yeah. So 1973, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, got to number 10. Hey, that's a nice start. I don't really get the song, though. It's mm -hmm. just a bit quiet, just not much to it. Yeah. Mm. So you wonder with these early ones, and it's the same with this one, 1976, Let's Stick Together. Number four. Yeah, is that nah, surely that's not on the back of Roxy Music? Well, no, I was going to say it makes you wonder whether they were songs that he wrote and the band decided not to record uh, and yeah, he thought, really cool. actually, I'm going to record it as a solo. Yeah. I still, I still believe in them. You don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, you don't, you wonder if because yeah. he was in a band, did he offer the songs to the band or did he just think these are good songs? But not uh, maybe for them, they're not their yeah. sort of music. I don't know. Yeah. Just makes you wonder what made him have funny. a side project of a of his yeah. own while that while with Roxy Music, you know. So, but yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, nineteen seventy six. Let's stick together. Number four. Hmm. Well, I thought it was a very to the point song, um, and it's got these little instrumentals throughout, which kind of pull it all together. Didn't mind those ones. Okay. So then um, we're now going on to his actual solo career and obviously his big, big song, um, 1985, Slave to Love. And that got to number 10. Oh, OK. This is very calm, but it's got that dark side to it. Um, very cleverly done. Uh, it's just not got much content. I feel like if it had a bit more to it, it'd be a really up there song. I mean, it got number 10 anyway, but I mean, for me, it, it would have been higher up for me. OK, 1985 still, Don't Stop the Dance, number 21. Oh, yeah, it's just very slow, very quiet. Yeah, he could have done more. I feel like he could do a lot more with his songs. 1986, Is Your Love Strong Enough, number 22. Very dark. Like, yeah, whatever he was doing. But I guess like all that rock side that we're talking about, you know, his genre is basically anything rock. I think his songs really show that. He just plays around with um maybe that maybe that's like the more glam rock side of it. But yeah, that one again, not much to it. Okay. And then um lastly, nineteen eighty seven, the right stuff, number thirty seven. My favourite shock. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like the most upbeat song he has, which obviously hits better with me. But also, it's the one that's got the most elements to it. It is quite repetitive, but it's just got that bit more oomph that to it. So I really enjoyed okay. that. Other people obviously did not. Okay, moving on to Brian Adams. Mm, so I've gone with just plain rock for him. His music sounds the most 80s out of the ones that I've had this week. 
he's got the sounds in there and like he just sings that bit more I don't know with that 80s feel that I can never explain um he's a he's a very good musician he is the type of rocker can get down with like you know like when we've had rock in the past I'm like yeah I really like this like queen kind of thing like your softer mm-hmm. rock um that's Brian Adams um he sings actual songs like I say he's a musician um he dresses very casually like he likes a bit of vesting in jeans um and he does a lot of live performances but I think this also shows that he's a performer um, and when it is like live performances, he's got very big crowds in front of him. So maybe he was a bit of a big star. Okay. So Brian Adams is from Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Ooh. He's been active since 1975. He's a singer, songwriter, record producer, musician. Um, so he plays the guitar and bass guitar. Okay. Rock, rock, pop. Or pop rock, should I say? Heartland rock, soft rock, and yes, you're right, arena rock. Uh-huh. So that's the performance, okay. Yes. Um, so Adam started out as lead singer of glam rock band Sweeney Todd um, after replacing Nick Gilder when only aged 15 as lead singer. Um, five years later, at 20, Adams released his debut album, Brian Adams, in wow. 1980, which reached number 69 in Canada. His follow-up album, You Want It, You Got It, was released in 1981 and charted at number 50 in Canada while also making the Billboard Hot 200 album chart at number 118. Um, but you still got to remember, he's young. Yeah. And he's got into the top one, 200 in America, which is still quite something. Um, he's got his own life ahead. He can do, he's got his, time. Yep. Yeah, his third album, Cuts Like a Knife, was released in 1983 and reached number eight on both the Canadian album chart and the Billboard Hot 200, as well as number 21 in the UK. So he's now starting to... He's starting to branch out a bit. Be a hit in his, in, in his homeland. Yeah. Be a bigger... Be, be also hit in the, U, the US market, but also now becoming internationally known as... Um, we said about getting it you know getting into the uk not quite in the top 20 though um album chart, chart. Dipped in. Got dipped. so um having now made a breakthrough not only in his own land, homeland but also america and in europe adams released his fourth album reckless in 1984 which hit number one in canada the US and New Zealand while making the top 10 in Australia, number two, Norway, number two, Sweden, number five, the UK, number seven, and Switzerland at number 10. While the singles Run to You, Somebody, Heaven, and Summer of 69 were all hit singles. That's a lot. Run to You made number one on the Billboard Rock tracks as well as number six on the billboard hot 100 and number four in canada 
somebody reached number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100 while becoming number while becoming his second number one on the Billboard Rock Tracks chart. Heaven became Adam's first Billboard Hot 100 number one while also making number three in Norway as well as the top 10 in the Netherlands number eight Spain number nine and Sweden number eight. Summer of 69 reached number five on the US Billboard Hot 100 and the top 10 in Belgium number seven New Zealand also number seven and Norway number nine making Adams now a mainstream artist worldwide and his fifth studio album Into the Fire was released in 1987 and was a top 10 album in Canada number two Finland number three Sweden also number three Norway number four the same in Switzerland Germany number seven and the US it got to number seven on the on the hot 200 billboard chart so the singles heart of the night oh sorry heat of the night and hearts on fire were again successful on the billboard what track charts at number two and number three respectively i always find it weird when i don't then have them and it's like what made you decide not to release them here yeah or well it might have and they just didn't do anything i don't know um Heat of the Night was the more successful single charting at number six on the Billboard Hot 100, as well as number six in Norway. Canada was number seven and Sweden was number seven. Brian Adams would go into the 90s as one of the biggest male singers and released his sixth studio album, Waking Up the Neighbours, in 1991, an album that I bought on cassette. Oh, um that went to number one in 10 countries so australia austria canada finland germany norway portugal sweden switzerland and the uk of which i as i say was one of those people that helped it get to number one just um, to put out there again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it also got to number two in the Netherlands and it got to number six on the Billboard Hot 200. And that was all thanks mainly to the success of the lead single, Everything I Do, I Do It For You, which was the single from Kevin Costner's latest film, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which Costner played the lead role. In the UK, the single had the longest unbroken run at number one. So there's a spoiler alert. Number one. Spending 16 consecutive weeks at the top of the UK singles chart. Now, let's just put that into perspective. There's four weeks in a month. That's four months. Four Four months. months Number number one. one. Every week, and this week's number and one is Brian yeah, Adams. Everything I do, I do happen, it for you. That's surely every person in the UK must own that sort of single, <laughs> or you, you have so. those hardcore, hardcore fans that like that. Get and buy it again. Go and buy yeah. it again. <laughs> yeah. That's now, obviously, funny. I can't remember if when Wet 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 whether they were re- re- released theirs first. 
and he's then broken their record or they released theirs after and broke his or equaled his. Oh, um, did they love is all around. Shall I quickly look it up? Which also was from a film. <laughs> love is all around. Yeah, by wet, 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 drip, dry. Wet, wet, wet. Yeah, we know you love them, don't we? Love is all around. Looking at the release date. Hang on. Let's have a look. And how long was it? That was a cover sound, a cover for the soundtrack to the nine to. Oh wait, hang on. Fifteen consecutive weeks. So that one. Yeah. Um, this was sixteen. That was. Hang on, because it was a cover, weren't it? Nine, nineteen ninety four. So that was after. I thought that they broke the record or equaled it so we're actually saying that 15. they didn't yeah. 16 oh didn't i say oh wasn't it a matter of they took it off the airwave or something so they didn't or i remember now going back i think they could have broken it but they took it they took it they took it out of off sale sort of thing i can't remember now but yeah i'm pretty sure they did but no i always thought they did break the record or equaled it but obviously they didn't because this was 16 consecutive weeks so yes everything i do i do it for you is the longest um consecutive run at number one um it also topped the europe wide sales chart for 18 weeks um the power ballad also spent seven weeks at number one on the billboard hot 100 so if we're talking in america it was number one for seven weeks um it was nine weeks in adam's native canada 11 weeks in Sweden, uh, um, at number one in Australia, and 12 weeks in Sweden. So um, unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly, it was named Song of the Year for 1991. I mean, if it, <laughs> but, um, it, it, you know, I mean, just putting it into perspective, it was number one in, Aust- in um, Sweden for 12 weeks. Yeah. There was another four weeks on top of that in England. Yeah, but all around the world, at some point for at least four weeks, this song has been number one for like four weeks consecutively in many, many countries. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of people buying that song. Yeah. Not love all of you're getting the muddled up. This is everything I do. I do it for you. No. Yeah, I know. I'm not on about oh. the other one. You I said, you I thought you said love is all around. No, I didn't say the song name. I just said all the song. Right. Um, So Adams has released a further nine studio albums between 1996 and 2022. In 2023, Adams was nominated for induction into the Songwriters Hall of Fame alongside R.E.M. and the Doobie Brothers. Now, I don't know um, when it's announced whether he was successful or not or whether it's been announced. I couldn't see anything. It just says he was nominated. Obviously, it was right. this year. So, mm. yes. So, um, he may well have been inducted or he might have missed out. I don't know. Personally, I hope he does. He, he is because I like his. I'm a fan of Brian Adams. This year, um, you mean 2023, yeah. Because when this yeah. gets released, we'll be in 2024. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in 1992, Adams won a Grammy Award for Best Song, written for a motion picture. Um, 
I'll let you guess which the song was. Um, as well as an Ivor Novello Award in the same year for recognition of the exceptional success of a single song for everything I do, I do it for you. Adams has since won two further Novello Awards in 1996 and 2016. Wow. So. He's done well. Um, before you go on to his songs, I just thought. Mm. It was 16 weeks and wet, wet, wet for 15. Do you want to know who holds the record? Go on. So it's a recent song. Um, spent 19 weeks at number one, and that was Old Town Road by Lil Nas X. Means nothing to me. You will know. Okay. If, you listen, if you had ever listened to the track. It's a bit different you now with downloads and everything, no, isn't it? You know it as well. Right. Billy Ray Cyrus. All right. Yeah. Okay. So that's um, probably why it did so well, because it had people that liked Billy Ray Cyrus as well. But yeah, yeah. Um, that's okay. 19 weeks. I think that's still an achievement, whether downloads are involved or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's much easier now to purchase music and you had to get off your backside in my day. You had to go down the shop, <laughs> you know. Hey, so, um, I'm not that young. I had to do that at some point in my life, too, you know. OK. Anyway, moving on to Brian Adams and his song. So 1985, Run To You, got to number 11. Okay, it's got a nice build up to the chorus, very quick to the point, very 80s feel in the verses. Okay, 1985, Somebody, number 35. This one's a bit more harder rock. So for me, yeah, it can, it, it's nice at that back end. Um, not saying it was bad, just um, let him down a bit. Okay. Next, we have 1985 again, as we said, they're all on the same album. Heaven, which was um, Adam's first Billboard Hot 100 in the um, US. Mm. Over here, it got to number 38. I said that'd be a number one. What is wrong <laughs> with these charts? <laughs> I really like Heaven. Um, it's a nice change. Goes very deep, shows off his vocals. And I wondered whether it had been covered or anything, but you've not mentioned that, so I doubt it. I must just know I, it through, I, yeah, through I didn't him. look into the song as such, no. Um, again, my favourite, 1985, Summer of 69. I gave you it, because I like it. Only got to number 42. Oh, that's my favourite as well. You know, this yeah. is, you know, Summer of 69, I just start singing sometimes yeah. at work and people... Um, get annoyed at me and i don't know why but i've done it for years this isn't just because of this I've, I've done it for years it's a classic feel good sing your heart out i absolutely yeah. love it yeah got to number five in the us but yeah number 42 over here yeah. um 1985 it's only love number 29 oh it's got tina turner in it isn't it um it's a duo you didn't know you needed they work really well together um, the only thing that let it down for me was that it was a bit too instrumental. Okay. Um, just going while you're on duos, he did a duet with uh, Mel C from the Spice Girls. 
really? Although he has since said he wished he didn't do it with her. I don't think they got on or whatever, but the song done really well. It's a good song, worth looking up. But um, he has since he he never he's he'll never record it with her again. And you know when he goes live, he does it with others. But um, it it seems like there was he he regrets picking her as um, whether he had much say. She, I mean, to be honest, it's normally the record labels and that that you know this would be good with such and such and that. But yeah, um, it's a good song. But obviously, it wasn't from the eighties, so hence you didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, although you have got quite a few of his songs that weren't 80s, I hasten to add. Um, starting with this one, um, you already know where it got to. We've already had the spoiler alert, but 1991, for 16 weeks, everything I do, I do it for you, was number one. At least I got one number one, right? Yeah. I said that would be. Um, I just said it was a classic. It's beautiful. It's stripped back. Oh, it's just, yeah, it deserves number one. I agree. There's not much I can really say. I think the song speaks for itself. But again, like um, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Was it down to the film, Mm. which um, had a big budget and was um, very um, talked about at the time? Um, Actually, um, because it was filmed, part of it was filmed in Burnham Beaches. No. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I saw them. Yes. Didn't see Kevin Costner, but I saw the horses and all the tents and whatever they had. Yeah. Well, cool. Claimed fame. Claimed fame. I grew up near there. (laughs) But for it to be number one for 16 weeks, the song did itself justice. You just expect people to get bored of it by, I don't know, 12 weeks, eight weeks even, you know, but 16 (laughs) weeks. People were just buying it, I think, to keep it there in the end. That's what I said. You'll have the hardcore fans going, go get it again. Um, Also, 1991, Can't Stop This Thing We Started, another song I like, um, which I'd have forgotten about, actually. Um, Yeah, I gave you it after. I added it on after. Oh, no, I've not added it on. It is a good song. Well, Um, I'll go back and listen to it. Yeah, it got to number 12. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've it's not added 12. it on. I've read that's that okay. as well. But that's very good of him. Although yeah. I'm very shocked that after 16 weeks, he's then only had one at number 12. Like, didn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. <laughs> People were fed up with him. Not <laughs> yeah. another one. Um, 1993, Please Forgive Me, number two. Oh, okay. Um, see, because I've not listened to the other one, I think he's tried to do another one from the song before he's just not done it as good so in i think this is like very similar to everything i do i do it for you it's just not as up there um it does have a good build-up in it though um yeah so can't stop this thing we started goes like you know can't stop this thing we've started no i can't sing i'm not even gonna try (laughs) that was rubbish it doesn't it's i've not done it any favors whatsoever (laughs) um 1997 18 till i die number 22 right i'll tell you something this is a complete change in genre style whatever you want to call it like it's definitely moved on but also, if you watched a video, now I put a video on and I like was watching it and I was like, this isn't Brian Adams. So I searched for it again. 
thinking I'd clicked a wrong video. And it was him. And I was like, okay, this has moved on ages. So like, I'm thinking this is deep. Like, I knew this was definitely 90s by now. But he looked so different that I was questioning that I was even watching the right video. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it's just complete change. Like, I didn't really need that one. Okay. Right. Um, I, I, as I say, I like Brian Adams. Um, but, yeah, and um, definitely do listen to Can't Stop This Thing We Started. And I'll um, pass on the uh, the title track of the one he done with Mel C as well. It's worth a yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah, I wonder how you that. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on to Julian Cope. Yes. Um, not really sure about his genre. Not going to lie. And the thing is, he also comes off as more of a band than a soloist. Because like, he's always got a band in his videos. Um, and there's a lot going on in this song that gives off the elements of a band. You know, like... Um, more like backup singings, but also you've got to focus on the different sounds of instruments. And so I just thought, it's not very solo soloist. Um, that threw me off. He's a rock star. Well, I said he's a rock star, but his music's not all rock. Hence why I've not done a genre. But I guess I could go rock. But yeah, I weren't convinced. He looks like a rock star, but I wouldn't say that his songs are. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, and he's a lot older than other people i've had this week there's just not much going on in his videos either um so without saying too much i don't want to say what i think of his songs but okay. yeah he just gives off that he's more of a band it was really weird okay so he's from derry and that's d-e-r-i uh, in oh, glamorgan okay. wales um he's yeah. been active since 1978 he's a singer songwriter musician and author um, he's, he plays the guitar, bass guitar, organ, piano, and the synthesizer, and he is rock. Oh, okay. So him looking like a rock star is for a reason. His songs just don't portray it. Yeah. Right. So although Cope's family resided in Tamworth, Staffordshire, he was born in Derry, Glamorgan, where his mother's parents lived, because it was while she was staying there that obviously he was born. Um, Cope was staying with his grandmother near Aberfan um, on his ninth birthday, um, the day of the Aberfan Aberfan disaster of 1966, which he describes as a key event of his childhood. So the disaster was that there was a, I think it was like a mining town and there was a coal or um, they had heavy rain and there was like a mudslide and right. it literally buried the school buried. that's mad and obviously the school children were in the school and did those people die as well oh yeah 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 it was such a big disaster the queen went and visited the town after but yeah yeah um and he was he was in that vicinity um at the but time he weren't in the school he, no 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 he was with his grandmother um right. so yeah um in july i don't know how old he was when he was there but obviously yeah he wasn't um related so it's another one where as you say it's um a bit like the brian ferry funny enough yeah. uh, <laughs> but he wasn't he was in there. the school um in july 1977 cope was one of the founders of the band the crucial three a liverpool punk rock band in which he played bass guitar 
The band lasted for little more than six weeks, however, and disbanded without ever playing publicly. Yet, all three members went on to lead successful music careers. Oh, God, then, who are they? So oh, the singer I... Ian McCulloch went on to um, have success with his band Echo and the Bunnymen. Oh, okay. The guitarist Pete Wiley went on to have success with the Mighty Wah. Mm-hmm. While Cope went on to form the Teardrop Explodes in 1978. Wow. That's quite cool, though. A band that was together for six weeks managed to get some yeah. decent musicians. Yeah. Um, so he was the singer song. Uh, sorry, he was the singer, guitarist, and principal songwriter for the band, the Teardrop Explodes. Um, the band's biggest hit was Reward which made number six on the UK singles chart in 1981, while the studio album Killer Manjaro reached number 24 in 1980. Obviously, we have discussed them very early on, because mm -hmm. they were at the very beginning of the synth-pop revolution, really, with Reward. Yeah. Um, the band disbanded during the recording of their unreleased third album, and an already committed tour in which Cope found the tour disastrous and demeaning. Teardrop Explodes drummer Gary Dreyer would play drums on Cope's 1984 debut solo album, sorry, single, World Shut Your Mouth, and went on to drum for former Specials and Funboy 3 frontman Terry Hall's band The Colourfield. Which we also spoke about. We have spoke about. Mm -hmm. Teardrop explodes. Former keyboard and manager, um, who was the main reason for the band splitting, went on to found record label Zoo and Food Independent, and signed Blur, and is said to be the subject of their first number one, Country House. Cope's debut album, World Shut Your Mouth. Charted at number 47, I think I've got there. Uh, following the success of the single World Shut Your Mouth, Cope released his second studio album six months later in 1984 with Fried, which only made number 87 on the UK album chart. Um, in 1987, Cope released his third studio album, Saint Julian, which would be his most successful when charting in the UK at number 11 on the album chart and had the single World Shut Your Mouth, which, surprisingly, up to now had not featured in either of Cope's two previous albums, even though the debut album was called World Shut Your Mouth. Didn't have it on it. So weird. Um, so it would have done better. I think that's actually number 40 I've written there. So it got to number 40, that album. But the single, which was his, you know, big success, wasn't on I the album that. of that. So imagine how many people bought that album For the thinking single. that World Shut Your Mouth, the single, really. was on it. That's really had... It was another two albums before it got released on an album. That's so weird. So, uh, yeah. Message with your head a bit, that. <laughs> yeah, it does. When the album's called the same and hasn't got yeah. the single that was released at the same time, 
but then he didn't actually release yeah. that single on an album yeah. until why did he release that single then then that doesn't make sense why would you do i that? don't know probably because he wasn't getting any luck and he thought oh, i'll put my hit single on there and suddenly it did um it also had um his second top 40 single trampoline on it um in 1988 cope's fourth studio album my nation underground made number 42 on the uk album chart while the three singles had mixed successes with only Charlotte Anne making the top 40, while his second single, Five O'Clock World, just missed out at number 42, while the third single, China Doll, charted at number 53. Pope's okay. next two albums failed to chart, Skellington in 1989 and Julian in 1990. Cope's seventh studio album, Peggy's Suicide, released in 1991, reached number 23 on the UK album chart, while the lead single, Beautiful Love, also made the top 40. Cope would release a further 29 studio albums, 36 in total, um, with the last being Robin Hood. Released in 2023. Cope has not had a top 40 though since 1996 when Planetary Sit In reached number 34. In June 2014, Cope released his first novel, 131, subtitled A Time Shifting Gnostic Hooligan road novel That's a very with the long guardian time. reviewer writing the musician's fiction debut is brilliant serious funny and completely bonkers which i think is pretty much what you can say about julian coper yes them up. <laughs> so mad and what you've got to be completely bonkers to release an album Without name the same as your Lee, as your single that you've released and not have the single on the album. I just don't. But hang on. The one thing that baffles me is so we released World Shut Your Mouth as a single. Yeah. Yep. And it didn't actually get put on an album till two albums later. Well, why did he have it for so long then? Why did he release it as a single? It's just hurting my brain. I don't know. I can't answer something. I don't know the answer to. Is he still um, alive? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can get hold of him, I'm sure. I, I think he's on Twitter. Him an email. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, 1986, World Shut Your Mouth, the single was released and got to number 19. I just don't get it. Well, Why not shut your it? mouth. Shut um, your mouth. Yeah, it's very blunt, isn't it? It's a bit... Yeah aggressive i was kind of like all right <laughs> i think he's got some issues he needs to sort out with the world that's what i legit got from that song i think he's okay. just he needs to get something out there it is catchy though not gonna lie yeah uh totally different to reward though from um teardrop explodes yeah just a bit not that i fully remember that but it's definitely yeah. not like that yeah you need, you need to listen to reward as well it's a good song um, 1980. Yeah, you have. I mean, re-listen. Re right, right, right. uh, 1987 trampoline got to number 31. There's a lot going on in this. It's very fast-paced. 
it's got a lot of layers to it it has got a good beat though like i did yeah it's just a lot Okay. 1988, Charlotte Ann got to number 35. It's just too loud. The music, I mean, not like obviously you can turn stuff down, but I mean, like it's just very in your face. Um, and he sounds a bit robotic. Like, it's like he's forgotten how to sing. Okay. And then finally, in 1991, Beautiful Love, number 32. This was my favourite. It's a complete switch and it's just like more graceful, calming, got a bit more about it. Okay. Moving on swiftly to Don McLean. Yeah. Um, he's actually Don McLean the third. Oh. Fancy. Oh, his um, dad's called Don McLean and his granddad's called Don McLean. I gathered that. I yeah. just think it's I don't know if he had a son and called him Don McLean as well. I think you'd have to though, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um i've gone for folk folk um i like his voice it's unique i think you could listen to it all day it's really nice he's a musician like he's a proper singer and he's really yeah. talented um nothing to report on with style because didn't really see anything and he had the two songs um okay. yeah so weren't much there okay two songs are um, different from each other though like they weren't they didn't give the same vibe Okay, uh, so Don McLean, um, he's from New Rochelle, New York, US. He's been active since 1964. He's a singer, songwriter, <coughs> musician, because he plays the guitar. Um, and you're right, it's folk, rock, and folk rock. So oh. A bit of rock, a well. bit of folk, and put them both together, and you've got folk rock. <laughs> um, his grandfather and father are also called Donald McLean and were of Scottish origin. So, oh. How on earth did they get to America? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so McLe McLean was influenced by Frank Sinatra and Buddy Holly Ooh. as a teenager. He and um, and as a teenager, he became interested in folk music. You don't say. Hence the um, obviously um, plays folk music. Uh, McLean recorded his debut album Tapestry in nineteen sixty nine after being rejected by record companies 72 times. No! He's a... He, yeah. It, oh, my God. So, in 1971, he had his big commercial breakthrough with American Pie, which was number one in 1971 in the U.S., Oh, but that's not the 80s. Okay, no. keep going. Tell me more. So it's yeah. a folk rock song about the loss of innocence of early rock and roll generation. Another hit single was Vincent, which is about Vincent van Gogh, as well as a rendition of Roy Orbison's hit single, Crying, which reached number five in 1980 on the US Billboard Hot 100. So it's crying the cover then. Yes. Right. Although the original version by Orbison reached what reached number two in 1961. So he done a cover and it, it done well at number five, but it didn't do as well as the original. Yeah. Um, 20 years. So that was tw it was released 20 years after the original. Right. 
Um, McLean has released 21 albums between 1970 <laughs> and 2020. And in 2004, he was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. But I've got two songs. Yeah, now I should have probably given you Vincent, but I didn't. Because American Pie is the one he's known for. Now, I gave you American Pie because it was also... Re so American Pie was released in 1972. It got to number two over here. Got to number oh, one, as I say, right, in America. Right. So when However, you were talking was... about it, I assumed that yeah. you would have released it in America and it took its time before coming No, 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 it was released here oh. as well. But it was released again in 1991 and got to number 12. And again in 2012 and got to number 78. Well, it's slowly gone for down those charts, isn't it? I recognised it. It was my favourite out of the two. I've written Vincent yeah. down to have a listen to that one as well. Um, I well, like, Vincent got to number one over here that in 1972, whereas American right. Pie only got to number two. But American Pie was oh, Vincent. American Pie is more known, and as I say, got released later on again as well. So that's why yeah. I gave you it. Whereas Vincent was his number one, um, but that it hasn't been released or not that i've seen it's not been really re-released so i could have given you either but i preferred american Pie. vincent um, is a good song as well i have listened to it since and well, yeah, I'll I listen to that one. So, yeah um but american pie was my favorite out of the two i recognize it you know that's a really long song and i've never listened to yeah. that song before but uh, i did this this time because uh, i had the time to <laughs> um eight minutes Wow. I know I've never um, and then, that long. Yeah. And then 1980, as, as we've said, it is a um, cover, but it did get to number one. Crying in 1980 really? got to number one. Yes. So Don McLean, a folk musician who'd had a hit in 1972 with American Pie and Vincent. Eight years later in the 80s, where the music has completely changed. Okay, yes, one. it's a cover, but he got number one. Do you know what? I really like his vocal range in it. Uh-huh. Um, and if it weren't slow, it would have been my favourite out of the two. But I think because I recognise American Pie and I don't usually pick yeah. it, but it is a really catchy song. Um, but I did I did like Crying. I, I love his voice. I could listen to his voice all day. It's beautiful. Well, listen to Vincent. I've got you, it. Won't, you won't be um, disappointed. Okay. Okay. Moving on to Carl Douglas. Now, um, yeah, the one that you said isn't a hit. Yeah, so I need to. Time. I need to. Um, I thought Kung Fu Fighting was an eighties song. Oh, is it not it, even it, an eighties song? It's not. It's I'm not. not it's got one song, and it's not eighties. But we're going to discuss yeah. him. There's not much to discuss. Um, but we will discuss him. Okay. So, well, um, if you want your little tag, and then ask. Have my say. There's not a lot for me to say because it's no, a song, and I didn't yeah. go out and listen to any more. I just, yeah. I just, I don't know why I didn't this week. I had the time. I, I just didn't. I've got no excuse. Um, okay. kind of glad I didn't waste my time even more though. But um, he seems like a really cool guy. This Carl Douglas guy from the one video, like he just seems really cool. Um, I've asked if a kung fu fighting was made for anything because it's been used in a lot of films. Um, and I have no idea on the genre 
because Kung Fu fighting is a bit of a random. Um, yeah, I didn't really know where to put it. Okay. So, so Cole yeah. Douglas, he's from Kingston, Jamaica. He's been active since 1964. He's a singer-songwriter. And um, I've got him down as disco reggae. No. How? Um, well, I guess he probably released other stuff. Oh, disco. Titans, just one type, one yeah. song. So, um, so, yeah, so Colton, as he was, and that, as he was born, um, was um, Colton was born in Jamaica, but relocated to the state of California before moving to London in his teens. Um, he spent his time in England playing football and vocal training. Douglas developed a passion for soul music and cites Sam Cooke and Otis Redding as his main influences. Okay. So Douglas's career was based in the UK and his disco single, Kung Fu Fighting, reached number one on the US Billboard Hot 100 in 1974. Oh, the okay. single, which is a homage to martial arts, and the single overshadowed the rest of Douglas's career. And he is seen as a one-hit wonder in the US. Um, however, in the UK, he had two other singles charts success with the follow-up single Dance the Kung Fu, Charting at number 35 and 1977's Run Back, peaking at number 25. In 1998, and this is where my mind is a bit frazzled because I thought it was in the 80s. Kung no Fu Fighting was re-released and reached number 8. So that's probably why I know it, because that. I mean, I know it was only three, but yeah. then it's come along and been a bit yeah. apparent as I've grown up, I guess. Yeah. So um, the single was sold more than 11 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling singles of all time. Wow. 11 million. Surely there's other songs that sold more than 11 million. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if they mean 11 million, million singles at the time or... Altogether, but yeah, whether it was a best-selling single of, uh, of the year, yeah, or as I say, I don't, I'm not totally sure, but yeah, it has definitely um, been used in films. That's so it. yeah, yeah, it's probably been on Kung Fu Panda or something like yeah. that, isn't it? Or um, oh, Karate Kid, maybe. Yeah. So anyway, 1974, Kung Fu Fighting was released, and it got to number one. It was then re-released in 1998 and got to number eight. I didn't um, but it was it. never, ever released in the 80s. And I've always thought it was an 80s song. So oh, well, there you go. Wrong there. Um, wrong. Well, I think it's a classic. And um, it makes you want to move like a kung fu fighter. Like you just want to kind of be like, kung fu fighting. Yeah. Do you know kung what I mean? Kung fu -y. Yes. So, well, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, all I need now is um hit or miss. I'm I'm going for a big fat four, maybe five, but we will see. Ooh. Billy Ocean. Hit. I thoroughly enjoyed him. Yes. Amazing. Okay. Freddie Mercury. 
mess. Wow. I didn't enjoy wow. him. Oh, and I, that I I was meant to say, but I didn't want to give it away that I didn't really like him. I think he's better in a band. His music to me better with a band on his own. Okay. I don't I'm not a bigger fan. Yeah. Brian Ferry. Miss. Yes. He was the one I wasn't sure about. There weren't much of his that I liked. Uh, okay. Brian Adams. Hit. Hit. Yeah, I like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm um, definitely, well. definitely go and listen to Can't Stop This Thing We Started, and I will find out what the song is of um, Mel C's. But he's got plenty yeah. of songs. He's got plenty of others in the 1990s. You probably enjoy them as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Julian Cope, I've already put the cross down. I'm guessing yeah. that's a cross. No, he's a miss. I just don't know yeah. what it was. Yeah, not me. Uh, Don McLean. He's a hit. I could listen to that voice on repeat. Yeah. And as I say, listen to download or do whatever. Vincent. Yes, I will. So, yeah. And then lastly, Cole Douglas. So I've put him as a hit because, I mean, he only had the one song, didn't he? Yeah. Really. And yeah. I really do like it. Yeah. Do like but it's not it. an 80s. Yeah, I know, but. But you went to know that. I weren't to know that. You weren't to know that either. <laughs> no, I, I weren't to know. I thought it was, and I found out it isn't. But yeah. Yes. Okay, so um, what? Three, four, four. Part. Yeah, take that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, that's the end. I just need now to give you next week. Yes, please. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Billy Idol. I really thought you were going to say Billy Ocean again then. I was going to be like, you're reading the one week. Billy Idol. I've heard of that name. Okay. Phil Ferron. Ferron. No. Leo Sayer. No. John Fox. No. Joe Jackson. And that's not a Jackson. So, no, that's not a Jackson person. Sydney Youngblood. No. And Jimmy Somerville. I want to say I've heard of that name, but I also want to be like, no, like I'm not confident. Okay. So, there you're seven for next week. Ooh. Billy Idol, Phil Fearon, Ferron. Leo Sayer, John Fox, Joe Jackson, Sydney Youngblood, and Jimmy Somerville. Okay. So I shall get those songs to you. Mm-hmm. On that note, I will say goodbye. I'll speak to you next week. You will. Bye, Dad. Bye. <laughs>